0: We are back again for another great episode of the Practical Parsha podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. I hope you are well. For this week, we're continuing with the story of the Exodus. We're right in the middle. Parsha's bow jumps us right into the story of the Jews leaving Mitzrayim. And before we begin, as always, if you have any questions or comments or would like to reach out just to say Hello. Sorry about that crackly voice, getting over a little bit of a cold. But if you'd like to reach out, see how I'm doing, introduce yourself. Don't be shy. Please feel free to send me an email at Shlomo K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week's Parsha's Parsha's Bow. And as I mentioned before, the Parsha starts off with the eighth plague of locusts. Locusts devour the land of Egypt. Paro still refuses to let the Jewish people go. The ninth plague of darkness occurs in this week's Parsha. Paro still does not let the Jewish people go. Finally, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses warns Paro about the 10th plague, the 10th and final plague that God will strike every firstborn in the land of Egypt. Paro refuses and Moshe and Paro part ways. The Torah continues with the Jewish people receiving their first mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. Additionally, the mitzvah to sacrifice a, a Pesach lamb, a Paschal lamb, a carbon Pesach, is given to the Jewish nation, as well as the commandment for the Jewish people to take blood and to paint it over their doorpost so that God will pass over their houses during the plague of the firstborn. Thus, the name of Passover is known for our holiday. The Parsha continues, with the Torah describing to us how Paro eventually surrenders and tells the Jewish people to leave Mitzrayim as soon as possible. The Torah describes to us the exodus from Mitzrayim, the Jewish people leaving, as well as telling to us how the Jews left Mitzrayim, the mitzvah to remember the exodus from Egypt, and finally, the mitzvah of tefillin and its connection to the exodus is given to the Jewish nation. The first idea I want to share with you today takes us to the, to the eighth plague that God struck the Egyptians with, which was the p- plague of locusts. And the Torah tells us, And the locusts came upon the entire land of Egypt, and they rested on the entire boundary of Egypt. It was very heavy. Before this, there were never as many locusts, and afterwards, there will never again be as much. And Rashi raises a question on this verse because the Torah is telling us here that there will never again be locusts like this in the land of Egypt. And when the Torah says something, it's true. It's God's word. It has to be true. To make a declaration like that, Rashi raises a question that it's brought down in the book of Yoel that there was a strong plague of locusts that struck the land of Egypt. And he questions that if we know from the book of Yoel that there was a plague later on, on Egypt with locusts, how do we reconcile this with the pasuk, with the verse that says there will never be like this, a plague of intensity of locusts like there has been during the 10 plagues. And Rashi gives one answer over there. He, he says that during the time of Yoel, there were more locusts in number, but there were many different types. But over here, the plague that happened in the Torah was one type of locust, and there was never again, though never will be again, a plague of one type of locust invading the land of Egypt to this extent. The Chassam Sofer... He explains the question a little bit differently. He says that although it is true that in the times of Joel, the prophet Joel, in the book of Joel, there were more locusts in number than during the plague of Egypt, during when the Jews left the land of Mitzrayim in the Torah, in this week's parsha, he says that the actual destruction that the locusts created, what they were able to do in this week's parsha, in parsha's bow was much more devastating and much more, more severe than the greater number of locusts that attacked the land of Egypt later during the times of Yoel, the prophet Yoel, in the book of Yoel. So although there were more in number, the actual destruction is what the Pusuk's referring to, that the locusts that came now, the locusts that were invading during the eighth plague that happened to the land of Mitzrayim, they devastated the land to a degree that was never seen and never will be seen. And the Chassam explains that because Egypt had already been struck with seven plagues, so now the degree of the destruction that these locusts were able to achieve was much greater than the greater number of locusts that happened during the time of Yoel. He explains that even though, in later times, the locusts ate more, they devoured more. But the actual depth of the destruction now during the ten plagues was much more because of the previous damage that had been done. And really, the lesson that the Chassam Sofer is bringing out for us is that you know many times we see people, we meet people, and they're in pain. Something's bothering them. And when you maybe get into a conversation, you talk, you get to the crux of the issue, it seems that what's bothering them is very minute. Maybe unimportant. Something not such a big deal. And we look at it and say, like, why are you getting so worked up? Why do you see, seem like you're suffering so much from something that seems so minute? And so something so unimportant. And the, the answer to this is that for us something might seem unimportant might seem minute but to this person this small trouble that they had could be the straw that broke the camel's back it could be the situation of suffering that they're in this quote-unquote tragedy or this misfortune that happened to them that we view as something which is small which is nothing which is unimportant to them is the whole world. And to really just bring this into perspective for myself, you know, in my position a lot of times I deal with a lot of different people and a lot of people are pet owners. I am not a pet owner. I, you know, I like dogs, but I don't have any dogs. Thank God I have six children to take care of. It's more than enough for me. I don't need enough, I don't need a uh, dog to add into that. But um, whoever has a dog, I'm happy for you. But one thing that I have a hard time relating to is that I, I've met, I've dealt with community members who've lost pets. So for me, in my mind, you know, when someone tells me they they lost a pet, I remember someone specific, or maybe a few people specifically, that they're almost in tears, telling me about their cat, their dog, that had passed on. So for me, as a person who doesn't have a pet, maybe doesn't appreciate that, I wasn't really able to relate to it fully to the suffering, to the pain that they were feeling. You know, to me, maybe it seems as something small or maybe to you as well, something trivial. But really, maybe there's, to them, it's something much more. It's, you know, there's there was a certain level of companionship that I just won't understand. There's a certain level of connection that they had that I won't understand. Or maybe this animal dying is just... You know, just the straw that broke the camel's back. But really, there's a lot of other things going on in a person's life that I don't know about, that you don't know about. And the way the suffering is manifesting itself is through this minor, you know, aggravation or this minor occurrence. And this is just something we need to keep, you know, in mind when we deal with people. Because sometimes you deal with somebody and they give you a strong reaction and you're like, whoa. Why did I deserve such a reaction like that? And maybe things could get escalated very quickly, but the point is for ourselves when someone lashes out. You know, obviously I can't I'm not excusing their behavior. People, we always have to be in control of ourselves. But maybe it's for us to think that maybe they're going through something. Maybe it was there's something else that they're suffering from that's causing them to do that. And I feel like that's a lesson that we can take from From uh, this week's parsha, because it's not the you know sometimes it's not the situation that a person is in that's causing pain, but sometimes it's subjective the situation, not objective, and that's actually why we can't necessarily fully understand when somebody is suffering. We could empathize, but we truly don't know what's really going on under the skin, what's really going on inside. To to totally relate to them, we could do the best we can but we have to be extra sensitive when it comes to other people's feelings, other people's emotions, other people's pain. Because you know a situation that a person is in, we can never know the full story and the devastation that has occurred to a person, whatever it may be that caused that devastation, it may seem small to us, it seems minute, or the way that the person is acting seems to be a little bit extreme, they seem to be a little bit strong, we don't know what's the true reason that's causing them to act that way, and actually, Rabbi Pliskin he brings down. He says that when someone gives you that strong reaction, a way of handling it is asking them, "Is that I guess this means a lot to you?" In an empathetic way, so it sort of defuses the situation, helping you know gain control of the situation and not letting anything escalate. But what the lesson I want to take out from this from this thought the parashim the sam sofer is that just like the the destruction of the locusts, was it was the most destruction it was the most destruction that ever happened to Egypt because it was subjective to the people that were there at that time to the people who saw it it was the most destruction there was seven plagues before that there were plagues after it said so although the times of Yoel, they devoured more you know acres of crops they destroyed more things but the 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 depth of the destruction based on the subjectiveness based on the fact that it was there was hail beforehand and there was other suffering that had happened there will never be a situation where there was that much destruction from the locust in the land of egypt again and the lesson for us is that when it comes to other people when it comes to their suffering to be sensitive to realize that we don't have the full picture. For things that seem small to us could be really be big to another person or there could be things that we don't know about causing that reaction. And when it comes to reactions of people, people overreacting or people being very strong in a situation which seems not warranted, to remember that there could be other things at play that we might not know about. A second idea I want to share with you today takes us to the exodus of Egypt. Hashem tells Moshe to take the Jewish people out of Egypt. And the Pesach tells us that when the Jewish people left Egypt, not even a dog barked against them. That when they left, it was totally quiet. They Everyone watched them leave the land of Egypt. And the commentaries tell us, actually, the Talmud brings down, that because the dogs didn't bark when they when the Jews left Egypt, so therefore, we, we reward them that it says when a, a, a animal that is not kosher, it says, you should, you should throw it to the dogs. Meaning to say is, you know, they're, they're, the, the commentary is expounded, but the idea is, is that the dogs are allowed to have it. You know, when you have an animal that's not kosher, you should throw it to the dogs. And we learn from there that you're allowed to derive pleasure, meaning to say is you're allowed to derive benefit from the meat that you can't eat. But either way, the, the lessons over here, there are many commentaries that talk about the different lessons of the dogs not barking, the significances of it. And one thing which is brought down, which I thought was very fascinating, which is a beautiful idea for us to learn from, is that the dogs didn't bark when the Jewish people left Egypt. So we're the Practical Parsha podcast. How does that have to relate to us? You know, we're talking about the first idea we just talked about, pets dying, but over here, I want to talk about the dogs not barking. So, how does this relate to us? And one beautiful lesson which I saw from, again from Robbie Pliskin he says that, you know, when we buy something, or let's say when someone else buys something, this is better. They buy something new, they purchase a new home, they get a new suit, or maybe a new car. Sometimes when, when they tell us about their, you know, joyous, purchase that they bought, they're very happy about it, they're very excited about it. What's the first thing that we do when we when they tell us about it? Are we totally happy for them? Or do we say, oh, you know, you got that model car? It only has you should have got the other model. You shouldn't have got the Toyota Camry. You should have got the, the Nissan Maxima. It's a better deal. You paid that much for the car? You you did that. You should have got it somewhere else. You know, um you got that type of suit from that store? You should have got it another place. I could have got it to you for half price. We have a tendency to sometimes take away people's joy at their moments, of their at their exciting moments. Maybe deep down we're a little jealous. Maybe deep down we're a little insecure. And, you know, if you think about it, I think about it myself sometimes, you know, different situations where someone got something, and I maybe did that myself a few times oh i could have gotten you a better deal somewhere else oh i could have gotten you a you know a better quality suit somewhere else right i think we could all relate to this feeling that we try to find something wrong with the the thing that they bought and the reason is it's you know we're jealous or we're just not like we said maybe a little insecure we want it we we feel we don't feel so good about it we have to be very careful when it comes to other people in their happy times, to not take anything away from them, to let them enjoy the happy moment that they're experiencing, whether it be the purchasing a new home, whether it be they got a brand new car, let them enjoy it, don't say anything negative to them that could take away from that moment, you know? Don't worry about it, they overpaid. That's not your problem. You know, For yourself, you make sure that when you buy the car, you won't go to that dealership. But for ourselves, when it comes to someone else's happy occasion, to let them enjoy the moment. And that's why the dogs get praised. Because they, and they also got a reward. Because they didn't take away from the Jewish people's moment. The Jewish people were going out of Egypt. They were in total exhilaration. They were totally joyous. They were going out. And not even the dogs barked against them. The dogs didn't take away from their moment, didn't take away from their excitement and let them eat, take, You know, leave Egypt. And that's a very important lesson for us when it comes to us and dealing with people and their joyous times and their happy occasions and their good news that they want to share with us. It doesn't have to be just buying things. It could be good things occurring to the person to always have positive things to say and never take away from that good feeling that they're experiencing right now. And that's what we learn from the dogs being quiet in Egypt. One last thought, which I wanted to share with you today, takes us to the commandment that God gives to Moshe Rabbeinu and the, to the Jewish people to sacrifice the carbon Pesach, the Paskal Lamb, and to take blood and put it across the doorpost so that they'll be protected when Hashem goes around to kill the firstborns of the Egyptians. And the Torah tells us And the children of Israel went, and they did as the Almighty commanded Moshe and Aaron, so they did. That the Jewish people, they did exactly what Moshe and Aaron told them to do. And Moshe and Aaron also did exactly what they were told to do. And Rashi explains that the Pasuk is coming to praise the Jewish people, that they had followed all the commandments exactly. They did it. And an important lesson is brought down from this verse. It's aside from the Torah just telling us the commandments that God gave to the Jewish people. It tells us that they did the commandments. They fulfilled it, which is a very important aspect of this whole storyline. Because when we think about, you know, being a role model or teaching a lesson, you know, there's this expression, practice what you preach. You know, maybe sometimes we, we try to preach things that we don't necessarily practice. We want to give over a lesson. We have to live that lesson. We have to model behavior that we want other people to follow. It's not a, enough for us to just talk. We have to walk the walk. And that's what this pasuk is telling us, the verse is telling us, that aside for the Jewish people just learning about the Korban Pesach and having the commandment, they did it. And Moshe and Aaron also did it. Because it's not just about learning, but we learn to do. And if we want things to be important to our children, we have to live those things and make it important to us. It's not enough for us to say, you know, learning is important, Torah is important, mitzvah is important. We have to do the things that we say are important. We have to, you know, live by it. And the, the way that it's brought down is that the best way to influence others is to be the type of person you wish others to be. You know, and I, I remember hearing once an interview You know, when there was like this, uh, re- a lot of, of, of rhetoric against police. And one police chief was telling people, saying if you don't like exactly what the police are doing, join the police, meaning you have the ability to implement change. But the, the lesson I wanna bring out from this is that if we want to give examples to others, preaching, you know, Maybe sometimes it's important to teach and to tell people the lessons and to tell our children and our friends. But we need to live the lessons that we go by. That's and that's the best example to live by example. And that and and those lessons are the most powerful. You know, you ask people, you know, what what was the most impactful moment in your life? And it won't be a time when their father or mother was just uh, lecturing to them about the importance of this or the importance of that. It's a lesson that they lived, something that they saw firsthand. Which created a impression on them, and that's how we have to be when it comes to our, you know our Judaism, to mitzvos, to Torah. That if we want to influence those around us, we have to live with the values of the Torah. We have to live with the mitzvos, and we have to do it because when we do it, other people see it sees as important to us, and God willing, they will be influenced by that. So with that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out. Please feel free to send me an email at rabbi Shlomo Cohen K-O-H-N, at gmail Have a great day.